Hello world, this is the Brother to Brother Show. I'm your host, K-Mo. Thank you for taking this journey with us with real men, real problems, real solutions. Let's go. All right, um, listeners, thank you for, for being with us again on the Brother to Brother Show. I'm here with a uh, special guest, um, but this one is... Uh, it hits home because we're going to talk about um, a, one of the podcasts that we had before, but we're going to call this one Fatherhood 2.0. And today we're going to have our guest here, which is Mike. I'm going to let him talk a little bit about who he is. Um, he's someone we, we I've met um, briefly and we had, we've had some conversation. Uh, however, one of the reasons why I, I really want to have this brother on is because he's done some good things Um for uh for for young people uh which which hits home with me because we're we're both kind of in the same line of work with helping enhancing and um pushing young men to do to be better and he's going to talk about how he's doing that now so mike can you uh introduce yourself brother and then go from there and talk about you know you know what you're doing with yourself Uh, for this opportunity. Um, pretty much, uh, my name is Michael Woodward Jr. Um, what now? What was the question again? <laughs> I'm horrible with questions. Yeah, yeah. So you're just you're just introducing yourself, and then yeah, just just talking like you know who you are, and then we'll talk about you know what what some of the things you're doing right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Simply put, man, I, I, I'm an inspirer. You know, I, I love to serve. Uh, I take advantage of each and every opportunity to learn from people, uh, to get to know people, uh, to kind of look look into the future and figure out how to solve problems, whether it's internally or externally. Um, like I said, simply put, man, I, I I just like to take advantage of each and every opportunity to grow and develop. Uh, originally from Miami, Florida, uh, currently working on my PhD in education and curriculum and instructor. Awesome. I want to say I'm a former educator, but... Man, I feel like once you're an educator, you're always an educator. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, with that said, you know, uh, some folks know uh, me personally and um, know that I, I, I also in education and, and how we want to push. And, and we think education is kind of key to everything uh, as long as even if it, 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 it doesn't just have to be a, a school, but you're always teaching yourself something. So you're educating yourself all the time. But that's why we're here to, to make sure that we're providing this information for other young people, uh, men and women. And I want you to kind of go into, um, you know, you being an author and um, what's the book that, uh, what's the book title? And then what is it talking about? Yeah. Um, all right. So I don't know how I ended up on this journey. I have, a, I have a few ideas, um, but I can't tell you 10 years ago that I, I would be who I am today or who I'm going to be Right. To want more. Right. But more importantly, to eat more. Uh, currently, I navigate 
throughout this space and I've navigated throughout so many spaces where I was the only black man that was present. You know, whether educated or not, a lot of the times from nine to five, I'd be the only black dude. Mm-hmm. But from five to nine, you know, in social settings or even at home or, you know, in, in, in the places that I frequent, I wasn't the only black man. So it was difficult, you know, to, 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 to kind of live different life, double life, if that makes sense. You know, being in honors classes and at the same time having to walk home back to the hood with a lot of my friends who didn't get admitted into the honors program. Right. So that in it by itself served them for um, the development of my first book, King Monty, Are You My PE Teacher? The, the, the titles came to me because <laughs> throughout my tenure at the third can, can you repeat that name again? Oh, the name of King Monty, Are You My PE Teacher? Okay. So that was, that was the first, and it, it, it set off an onset. You know, it gave me the confidence that I needed because it took me two years, mm-hmm. and I quit so many times right. out of doubt, not a disbelief in myself. Mm-hmm. But the day that it was finished and finalized, it was the – that wasn't even the moment. I would, I would say it was when I, when, I, when I transferred it from my iPhone note mm-hmm. to the Google Drive. Mm. And I started to see how much depth I had going. And I was like, oh, I think I can do this. So right, like, right, 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 right. So I'm sure we'll get more deeper into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but just, you know, um, off rip, the first one was King Monty, or my PE teacher, five by five of them. Um, and and we're, we're going, man. The goal is 25 in five years, uh, but quality over quantity. So mm-hmm. trying to make sure constantly put my best foot forward. Now, what are, what are, what is one of those books? <clears throat> Give me a little bit more information about you know what that book is really about. You know, I know we want to read, we want to, we want to listeners to go out and get the book to support you. Um, but tell me a little bit about you know what does that really mean to you? Yeah, no worries, man. Man, King Monty is so many students, mm. so many, and, 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 and not just so many young black kings. I think King Monty is representative of different genders, different races, right. different students. Right. Students who walk down that line mm-hmm. and say, yo, I'm legit smart, but I'm also really fly. I'm actually a trendsetter. I'm actually somebody, you know, but as I constantly find myself, and I mean myself as a child, myself as the character of Monty himself, I understood that you got to fail. Mm-hmm. And it was very humbling to write the story. Mm-hmm. Because when you think of fiction, you think of everything being made up. Right. Everything, you just pull it out the air. But nah, that's not my kind of fiction. The way I write my fiction is based off of true events. You know, the way, yeah, the characters may be made up, but I promise you, their qualities, their actions. <laughs> I remember the jokes that I use, the jargon, the slang, mm-hmm. if I could put accents in there. Well, I did in the audio book, but... More plainly put, King Monty is representative of us all. Right. And it's to help guide these conversations mm-hmm. that are such a struggle to have. Right. Growing up, I didn't see I didn't see characters that looked like me. I didn't see teachers that looked like me. I was damn sure didn't see authors that looked like me. Mm-hmm. Thankfully there are some black queens out there. Oh yeah. But there are few and far in between when we think of black men within the classroom and right. within the 
level of academia mm-hmm. or within any level of academia, primarily in elementary school, but it was a problem. And as a third grade teacher, I saw it much deeper than my own K-12 experience. Mm-hmm. But I saw it in the hearts and eyes of students when we go to the library and they'd have to constantly check out LeBron James and Frederick Douglass, some of my favorite black kings in the world. Mm-hmm. But let's, let's push for imagination. Let's push for a little bit more of the inspiration that children can see and that they can be. Because everybody can play ball. Right. You know what I'm saying? Everybody right. can't teach everybody else how to read. But maybe I can go on and on, man. You know, but that that, that that's what Team Monty stands for, man. It, it's for that student who is struggling to find himself right. or herself in their identity, whether it's being the only black or brown man or woman or mm-hmm. young boy or young girl right. in their class. Whether it's the abandoned building or the dilapidated closets that they walk past each and every day, whether it's the corner store, right? And the lines you got to stand in to go in because the home, the shop owner won't let a lot of at a time because he thinks people will steal. Like that's the life that I lived growing up, and so many more students. Absolutely. But where is it in literature? Right. Yeah. It's not. I mean, I'm, and I'm glad we're having this conversation. Um, and that's that's wonderful, especially how you said that's how your that's your first book, because it seemed like it connected to what you were doing at the time. And it sparked that that, you know, that it, it factor. So is there do you, uh, did you mention or was this the book that you mentioned about fatherhood? About being uh, a father or no? Not, not uh, exactly. So, OK. OK. Uh, while King Monty has a number of elements right. that directly stem from fatherhood and mm-hmm. having a father in the home, right. undoubtedly, uh, whether that's in the classroom, whether that's on the college campus, that I highlighted the gates with anything more of But more particularly, when I think of the impact of a I think a lot of I think of a lot of my homies, a lot of my frat brothers who grew up without a father. Right. And I think of the 43% of America mm-hmm. per the 2010 census that are households that operate without a father in mm-hmm. the home. That's what I think about. So right. with that, I wrote Father, Father, and okay. Old to the Fatherless. Okay. It's not it's my only book. That's not in color. Even the front cover isn't in color. It's a dark sepia, a brown. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot of, I would say it's a lot of earth tones, but it's mm-hmm. really just brown. Yeah, it's brown with black outline. Okay, I wanted it to be very strict to the point. I wanted it to be raw and full of emotion. I wanted them. I wanted the reader to see whether it is that father who left his child a long time ago. I wanted him to see his child sitting in the barn, sitting on the doorstep waiting, having dinner by, you know, just alone, just alone with his mom. Right. You know, talking about what could have been and what could be. And, so, and what does that book really talk about? What, no, what does that book really kind of uh, summarize that for me? It's not your fault. You say what? It's not your responsibility. Okay. It's not your fault. Yeah. It, it, it's not. You are not the reason. And I think, you know, as a product of a household that unfortunately went through a pretty ugly separation. Right. I would say when I was like three, four years old. Okay. I, I've seen the fight. You know, I've questioned myself. It's my fault. Like, yo, where's Bob? Where's Bob? You know, having the hot between parents and parents. Right. Man, some kids don't even have that opportunity. Right. Some kids don't even meet their father. Yep. So just imagine the question. I don't think you even have to imagine because we know your work and we know what it is that you're doing in education. Mm-hmm. But think back to all of the children who asked 
so ruins the meat. Mm-hmm. Well, why did my son? You know, it's something that I did. So my mom, really my stepmom, but she's my mom. I got two moms. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But my mom, she, 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 she I, I bounce a lot of ideas off her because uh-huh. she's no nonsense. She's a delta. She, goes, she just don't play the right game. So she told me straight up, like, yo, it's not that child's responsibility to find someone to fill that void. Mm. It is not on them. And I know I get defensive sometimes. I'll be like, no, oh, no, that's not my angle. I, 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 I closed my mouth. And I took a moment to really reflect on what it is that she just told me. And I think it was one of the most biggest gems throughout those 27, 28 pages. Mm-hmm. And it's that it's not your fault. It is not your responsibility to find someone to replace your father. But in the same breath, don't keep a closed mind. Now, now go a little deeper. Go a little, stop right there and go a little deeper when you say that. Like if... If she's saying that to you, who is she saying that to? You know, and I think we can, you know, it, forget forget the novel or the fiction book for right now. If somebody says that to you, what does that mean to our listeners? Is she talking about you as the child trying to find, you know, it's not your responsibility to find that figure? Is it the woman, the, you know, the mother? her responsibility or is it the actual it maybe not even be a person it's just the thing out there that's saying it's not your responsibility to to find that void i think the most important the most important angle i can take with this question because there's like five decisions right right you can go up and down the totem pole of whose fault it is whose responsibility it is uh-huh. but at the end of the day it is that child's traumatic experience mm-hmm. that they will carry with them Absolutely. for the remainder of their lives. Yeah. And it is not up to them, and it is not on them to carry that burden. Right. And to have to search high and low for someone to fill the shoes yes. of the man that walked out of their life. Absolutely. And I, I wanted the reader, and I wanted every mother to understand that. But mm-hmm. more importantly, I wanted every child, every son, mm-hmm. to understand that Yo, this is not my fault. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm not gonna carry. I'm not gonna carry a regret. I'm not gonna carry a sense of spitefulness whenever another man or another fatherly figure tries to. I don't say impose, but tries to be a part of my life journey. Mm-hmm. So that is how I took that, and, and I wanted to make sure I I, I drove that point home. That this fatherly figure may not show up as may not show up as stepdad. Yep. He may not show up as an uncle. He may show up as a big brother. Yep. He may show up as a cousin. Right. He may show up as a piece of coach. He may even show up as the janitor mm-hmm. in your school. Absolutely. So you'll see a little janitor. I strategically put in there when I dropped that line. Mm-hmm. No, it could be the assistant principal. It could be the the, the reading specialist. Like there are all these people that are in our lives that I believe were strategically placed in our lives. I'm a strong advocate that everything in life happens for a reason. Mm-hmm. But the more that we navigate through life with our eyes closed on high horses, closed off to the world, I believe we miss out on the opportunities that stand before us mm. and all of those that we impact through our inspiration. That's a good point. And um I want to tell a brief, 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 brief um 
um, story about something that I experienced kind of to what you're talking about. I had similar uh, upbringing as, as well. Uh, went to similar schools that you did too as well. And um, but I think one of the biggest things was, um, you know, it's, it's it's it wasn't my responsibility to find that particular figure. But I think my mom did a really good job, brother, of 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 putting me around, putting me in the place to have certain men around in my life so that, you know, um, I could be I could find out who I connected with the most and receive some of those jewels because I don't care who it is. Um, and, I, and I know you can attest to this and we're going to talk about it a little bit in a few minutes about you being a father and how, you know, maybe what you what your experiences were and how it relates to how you now are treating and you want to be the man that you can be is like you like you said before nothing in this world is done by chance it happens because it, it builds character and all of the things that you know like you said you have to cease those those opportunities and if you're able to cease them and understand like hey this is just this is just the, the cards I was dealt. And if I take these cards, you can go. I've seen people take uh, a, a, a deck of Uno cards and because they play the right cards, they still win because based off of, you know, who they're playing against. And I think that it's very, very true to every situation in life. You know, my mom put certain people around me. Those people, since I was in, in, in grammar school, are still a part of my life now and, and you and it's funny how life works where we can switch and turn the cycle and now those people are you know i see them as you know big brothers uh father figures they're not my father but father figures but uh, but now as a man the conversation that we have now you you and, and i'm not sure if you got to this point yet and i know other men might have especially who have mentors and men around them the conversation i have with this these men now and how they helped me when i was younger i can pay it back and when i say is when i say pay back not in any type of you know financial way but just the conversations that we have and the and the feedback that they give me is hey i'm glad just to have the conversation with you I'm glad for you were able to drop some jewels on me and help me and keep me accountable. And I'm looking like, wow, man, like I look at you this way, but they look at me this way because we helped each other along the journey. So I, th I think that people don't look at it like that. You know, when you, I always promote in some of my um, podcasts, we talk about mentorship and making sure that you find uh, a young man, a woman out there and drop jewels and, and make sure that they understand, you know, even though I didn't have my father around, I still felt like I needed to have a male figure in my life because, you know, my mom did the best she could do with the resources that she had, but she could not teach me to be a man at all. You know, like you said, like the, the men I've, 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 I've gravitated through college with outside of college and work with and things of that nature, it's, it's helped me be a better man but it's nothing like having a father. So can you talk briefly, because we're talking about fatherhood 2.0 now, with your experiences in education, which I feel like is phenomenal. I think every man, every woman 
should do some type of mentorship, should be able to give back in some way and at least one time in their life. Do it multiple times, but do it a lot of times because you as you and I as educators and have educated other young people can definitely relate to understanding how important nurturing that particular young person at that age and them growing and them seeing you a certain way and then how your mentality is different than a lot of your friends who may not be a part of education and though they have children they don't get it as much as you do and so can you talk about your experience with with that they're good fathers but i think that from some of the things you talked about um you know, you probably look at it just a little bit different. You nurture just a little bit different than they do. Corey, that's a question, man. That, that's a really question. And it's actually now navigate each and every, I don't say each and every day, I can watch you like that. But it's tough, man, because I feel like some ideology on the cognitive development of yeah. a child yeah. is skewed. It's skewed. I'm an educator. I'm nearly a doctoral, I'm a doctoral student, I'm going into the dissertation phase. I've been, I've, I've been cultivated by the brotherhood throughout my entire life. Mm-hmm. I've learned to project alpha up and down or social concepts left and right. Does that make me better than anyone? Hell no. Of course not. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. But it does make me more experienced. Mm-hmm. It does make me ground a lot of my beliefs. And what it is that I do moving forward to a much deeper sense, right. to a much deeper connection? Mm-hmm. Have I, do I have an answer to that? Absolutely not. You know, but what I think, what separates me from... Now, what was the question? What separates well, me Well, I think because you've been an educator, right? Because you've been an educator, I can, I can definitely speak for myself. And other educators that I've spoken to is that you know, I know some really good fathers, you know, they're they're active, they're involved. They you know, they want to spend time with their sons. They want to spend time with their daughters. But I find that the female and the male um, uh, parents that are in education, they have a different sense of understanding about nurturing a child. And I'm not sure if you see that as well. Uh, it, it is a tight, it's a tight rope. It's a very tight, tight rope to walk down. You know, because I've never walked in a woman's shoes. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think, first and foremost, let's just take a moment to affirm black women in our lives. Mm-hmm. To affirm black women like your mother. Put you in the position to be able to navigate through life without the whole, I am my daddy, so I don't know how to do this. But I'm not a change of time, but I don't know how to do this. You know, it's constantly navigating through life, which is, I feel, one of the recurring themes of this conversation. However, I know that based off, I mean, as the days go by, the number of black men and women are killed on TV and on our phones, these conversations, what is So, like, women are becoming more and more hip in understanding that, yo, it's going to be different for you as a black son than... It's gonna be for your black sister or for your sister, mm-hmm. you know, or for your niece. Yeah, you know, it, it, the world is just going to be different for you. However, yeah, man, I want to come. I want to hear a conversation. I want to hold a conversation with someone who can speak from what it is that they've been through. 
I need to talk to another black man, another brown man, another man who's walking different size shoe with me. Because I need to figure out, like, yo, how do I prepare for battle? How can I be proactive instead of reactive? Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, it takes that black man in education who has been through what a child has been through to tell them exactly where they have the opportunity to go. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, if a child cannot see what they cannot be, then what is it that we should expect from them? To simply imagine what black excellence, the black man in a suit who is talking about much more than the off-ball screen that went wrong in the play that, you know, ended the game. Like, like, this is what I am grounded in. And this is what fuels me within this fight. It's an onslaught. And unfortunately, the deck is stacked against us. There are so many more people than there are black men in this country. And yet the number of black men is dwindling mm -hmm. as the weeks go by. And it's up to us to make this change, whether it's literature, whether it's the podcast, whether it's the motivational speaking, football coaching. It don't matter. We just got to be present yep. as black men. Absolutely. So, so that was a great way for us to set uh, – for some, some also some closure because we're about to close out in a few minutes tell me a little bit about you know uh as a father and you know some of the things that you've done differently than uh what you saw growing up has that impacted your um you know the way that you're a parent even though again nobody nobody you know uh, i always say this you know our parents did the you know i, I always tell my friends who struggle with their parents because i don't have my parents at this point in my life right and i always tell people i say look you know um our parents did the best they can do with what they had and on top of that like a lot of times you can't fault your parent at 30 for who they are at 60. you know and i know that they were some of them were learning on the fly because maybe they didn't have the best parents in their lives so you have to give them a little bit of grace because they were still learning too and i always will say if a person comes out healthy strong you can you're able to you know function in our society and and and, and as you could probably he's working up give me, give me that jewel give i said if a person in a, is able to you know um function in our society have their health have a job uh you know be the best they can be at that particular time though we're all all growing then give give your parents a little bit of grace because they too have to learn and they too have to you know evolve and i would take i would challenge people to take the the good things from their parents and just add on to it and make it better because the bad things oh, yeah. you know they were just bad and and and, yeah. and and we won't be great parents all the time and I'm sure our our children will say, I didn't like that about you either. But you can take those jewels and those good things that, um, you know, your parents gave you and just make them your own and make them better. And so um, what are some of those things that you feel like, you know, you can touch on, you can remember and that you really got from your experience growing up to be a, a good father? And, my, and like again, I know you said that you, you are you know, you're not perfect. That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking you, what are some of the good things that you feel like you changed or making better so that you could be the best father you can be at this point? 
It could be one or two things. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be too long. It just be one thing, you know. No, yeah. Um, I, I think the most immediate thing that comes to mind is pushing for dialogue. Okay. You know, yep. More transparent and yeah. open. Awesome. Yeah, uh, my father tried. Mm-hmm. You know, he's always tried. Uh, I, he tells me all the stories of, you know, what he did and didn't like about his parents bringing him up and the impact that he wanted to make on me in hopes that I continue to pay it forward to my children and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. So throughout that process, that coming of age, you know, and as our relationship strengthened, of course, I reflected on, man, I didn't really like how you handled this. Right. I didn't really like how you uh-huh. did that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we can we can pick and choose with any of the relationships that we have. In our yeah, lives. yeah. But what I what I cherished the most was our uncandid, open dialogue mm-hmm. and the improvement that I would like to make as a father. And what I spend my time doing and bettering myself is to push for my children to be more vocal. Right. And to have this dialogue. And not to say, you know, my dad talked at me and, and you know, and we didn't have many conversations. We did. Mm-hmm. We just have a lot more of them growing up. Right. Now at 25, 30, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or even when I was up to 20. But I needed some of these conversations at 10, 15 as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and when I think of, when I think of, and I'm, I'm going to bring it home. I know we don't we don't have time. But when I think of, I don't know, or the tenacity or the exposure to this information, things that our fathers have in their back pockets to tell us at the right time. Yeah. Hold on one second. Hold, hold tight. Right. Hold on one second. We're coming to a break. Please know we love you. Work with us. Be with us. And know we're coming from the heart. This is the Brother to Brother Show.